0: right here in Wonderland. Welcome back everyone. I am so thrilled for today's episode. We have Nicole Jardem in Wonderland today and I've been following Nicole in her amazing work for a while now and I'm just so excited to get to know her with you guys today and learn from her. She's really cool, so if you aren't familiar with her work, she's the founder of the Healthy Elements and Fix Your Period program, and she teaches women how to get their hormones on track and so they don't have to ruin their lives and they don't have to run the show. And It's just a really cool, awesome way to help people take back control of their health and their bodies. So I can't wait to learn more from her. Thank you so much for stopping by, Nicole.
1: Thank you. What a great intro. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Yay. Okay, well, I have so much to get to, um, so let's dive in. And why don't we start with your story, and maybe you can just kind of zoom the lens back for us and tell us your journey and story and what kind of led you down this path.
1: Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, it started similarly to yours. I actually had I'd studied TV production and journalism in college. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? It's totally so the same funny. thing. I know and uh and I was so sure that that was what I wanted to do in my eighteen year old head and uh and so I did that for a long time i i was you know i got i graduated from college and uh and went right into sort of freelancing and in t v production and commercials and things like that and you know prior to that during my teenage years i I'd, I'd had a lot of issues with my period I had a lot of menstrual problems, a lot of uh physical pain emotional stuff happening. Uh, all these different things, really heavy periods, all kinds of stuff. were are <laughs> every you name it, and I had it mm-hmm. happening. And so it started to get a little bit better because I'd been put on the pill, which unfortunately was just masking my issues. Uh, But it did, you know, obviously the physical symptoms, all those things started to get a little better. Uh, And so by the time I graduated from college, I was like, okay, got to come off the pill because it had started uh, a sort of cascade of all these other issues. So I sort of went from one hormonal imbalance to the next. And uh so when I was graduating, I thought, okay, I'm getting off the pill, I'm graduating from college, I'm doing all these things, like this is good. And uh and so it took my it took me a little while to get back on track in terms of getting my period back and it normalizing, but it, it did for the most part because I was starting to get into uh holistic healing and uh eating better and things like that. Uh but then everything started to get off track over time because I was working in this crazy business and I knew after a couple of years, that I needed to figure out a way to sort of make make a sort of make a living in in health and wellness because I I knew it just wasn't sustainable being in the film and TV world. So that's really how it all started. I mean it started as, you know, with issues as a teenager. And then at the time I was I was so dead set on what I wanted to do back then that the thought of health and wellness never really occurred to me. Right. But by my mid twenties I, I just knew that I had to make a change and and so that's how the I got the ball rolling.
0: I love that. I love that. And I think um, this is really interesting. And I was just talking about this recently with a friend that anybody who is drawn to this world of of health and wellness or, you know, this kind of realm, you know, it's really easy for us to look at you or look at these people kind of um, in this world talking about this stuff and say, wow, they've got it all together and her period must be great or, you know, or or whatever. And I I think it's really cool to hear people's story because it's like anybody who's drawn to this work Mm -hmm. of healing was at one point or another healing themselves through something. And for sure. I think that that's really great for people to hear the story as the relatable element. And, um, and that's really, really cool. So I guess, okay. So just to clarify, take me back in your story. So you said that mm-hmm. like you were struggling with your period and then, but you, since you were already into natural healing and kind of wellness, how did that originally come up? How did you get into that natural heal, healing and wellness? was it something well, you researched on your own
1: it, it was yeah it started that way I mean like I said I you know I actually I was in college at the time and um I was you know I had a lot of it, it's crazy because I, like I said the all the physical symptoms that I was experiencing as a teenager before going on the pill had pretty much resolved themselves because I went on the pill and Uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but the pill just didn't work well for me at the time. I thought it was, but what it was doing was, uh, I was just not getting enough of the hormones I needed to function properly. And so I ended up with all kinds of issues, like chronic uh, yeast infections and urinary tract infections, which can come about from the pill and then just general deficiencies. And, and I didn't feel good. I was like, I had like constant joint pain and things like that, and that's usually a sign of something like low estrogen. Uh, again, brought about for some women who are on the pill, on especially low dose pills. And so for me, at you know such a young age, I just I didn't feel well. I was constantly sick. I had this pain. I you know I had all these things, and my period was so light it was to the point where it was practically disappearing. Again, you think that's great, but until you realize the consequences right, of that, right. yeah. And so for me, I I thought okay, I got to do something and I'd been to all the doctors I did everything I spent thousands of dollars on testing and everybody had a different scenario or different diagnosis and none of it was correct so I figured okay time to take matters into my own hands yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) And so that's what I did. I, I a friend of mine was uh, seeing an acupuncturist. I think I was like 22, maybe at this point. And she was just, she said, you know, you should really go see him. And I thought, okay, I'll try. And so I went to him and I really never looked back. I, you know, I saw him and then over the next couple of years, I think I tried like every different modality I could find all kinds of stuff. And it was through that, you know, he talked to me about how to change my diet, how to do all these different things to help with, with my physical issues, the symptoms I was experiencing. And, prior to that, I had no clue that food was that connected to our bodies. I mean, who would have told me? Right. So, um, right. So you did you know. grow up
0: that way and, and that way
1: of No, cooking, I didn't. I mean, you know, there was always home-cooked meals and things like that, but it was very much meat and potatoes. So it wasn't one of those – yeah, it wasn't a household where we were eating kale right? <laughs> by any means. <laughs> Yeah, so it was one of those that, things. And I think
0: that's another thing that people assume. I mean, people have said that to me. They're like, oh, I would assume you grew up, you know, on a farm with, you know, like swimming in kale. And like, that just wasn't the case. And people think that you have to kind of be, it can be overwhelming and you have to be like almost born into this. But a lot of people like you and like me didn't grow up with that and really found it for ourselves.
1: Exactly. I think that's exactly it. And you kinda of stumble into it and then suddenly there's this whole bright world out there. Right. And and that's what happened. And so until so it started that way. And then I, you know, I, I did a like a little uh like a holistic nutrition course at this uh, like holistic living school. I was living in Orlando in Florida at the time. And the girl who was teaching it was currently in IIN, and, or sorry, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, and that was how I heard about it. And then I made it my mission to move to New York and go to this school and just figure this out <laughs> somehow. <Amazing.
0: laughs>
1: yeah. So that's how it all happened.
0: That's so cool. Well, my next question I was going to ask you why you decided to specialize in women's health and after you went to IIN and we're we're kind of working up to that so it's a perfect segue but perfect. I'm assuming it definitely had to do a lot with your own body and what you you know teach what you know right
1: For sure it did, I, you know. I again when I went to IIN, I was still trying to figure out the women's health part of it, and I wasn't sure what I was going to specialize in. But then I saw a couple of different people speak while I was at IIN, and I realized that this was really the road I wanted to go down. And uh, and I, you know, because it was the one I was most passionate about, I just couldn't learn enough about it. It was crazy, and and that's how it all started. And so I apprenticed at Flow Living in New York oh cool yeah and and so that's how I really got my foot in the door when it comes to to women's health, and my understanding of it uh was pretty much solidified then, so I thought, okay, now I've got this this really great uh foundation now i've <clears throat> I've got to start to to do this and and so that's how the business was really born, and then and since then I've continued. My education in, in women's health because IIN provides a really great foundation, and my apprenticeship uh, really helped to, uh, to, for me to understand or help me to understand how hormonal health works, how food influences our hormones, and stress as well. And, and so I needed to, to really hone in on that. And, and so that's what I've been doing over the last three years.
0: That's amazing. Hmm. So, um, I definitely want to give people um a lot of great takeaways from this. So let's let's get into it a little bit. Let's talk healthy periods and why they're so important. And can you kind of just give like an overview of that and the dangers of um, being on the pill and why it's important? To know oh
1: yeah, that. for sure. So I, I get this a lot. A lot of women say, oh, you know, well, I'm on the pill and there's, you know, nothing wrong with that or I'm fine. Like, I hardly get a period anymore. That's great. Things like that. But the, for so many of us, it's, you know, it's kind of short-sighted. We're not thinking about the long-term effects of how, this, how the pill or how not having a period or just period problems in general can affect us. And so for everyone... Uh, Who is listening? I feel the the first thing to know is if you are having any kind of menstrual issues. So this is uh, either a missing period or really heavy flow or two periods a month because some women have that as well, uh, or something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, endometriosis, any kind of pain with your period. It's a sign that you that something is definitely wrong and that there's some kind of hormonal imbalance happening, and uh, this underlying hormonal imbalance can absolutely be addressed using uh, food using supplementation and changing life just making simple lifestyle changes so I just feel really strongly that that's what women need to know because I don't think we do we're just not we're not told about it so that's the first thing and then the second thing I would say is that. Uh you know if you have um if you are on the pill or you've been on the pill and you know you're dealing with any kind of thyroid problem uh like an underactive thyroid, or your period has not come back, or uh you know you're dealing with some other kind of issue that you feel might be related, it's more than likely that it is, and the problem with that is because the pill or the problem with the pill is that. It, uh, you know, it takes over your hormonal function. So essentially what's happening is your hormones are no longer doing what they're supposed to do because you're supplementing with this hormonal pill. And so that cuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. So when your brain doesn't need to talk to your ovaries anymore, it's just going to stop doing that. And when you come off the pill, especially if you've been on it for a long period of time, uh, and it's more than likely you're coming off so that you can get pregnant – Uh, it might be very difficult for that communication to start happening again. And so this is my, that's my big warning for women. If you're considering being on the pill or if you're on it or have been on it for a long time, I, you know, I highly, I always recommend coming off of it as soon as you can, just because it really does have a detrimental effect on, on your entire cycle because, your cycle is—it's what dominates your. I mean, your whole life, literally. I mean, our menstrual cycles are very powerful, and I just don't think we're told that, and we don't realize it, and we can't get in touch with who we really are until we know what's going on in our bodies. And the pill shuts all of that off. So, again, I, I just feel very strongly that women need to understand what it is that's happening within them in order to, to live their best lives. And until we do, we're going to be afraid of it. And for me, I just, you know, I, I want to be able to tell women that, you know, it's all very easy to understand. It's just a matter of taking a little bit of time to, to get to know your body.
0: Absolutely. And and taking that, that first step is, is really important. That was, that was amazing. Mm. That was beautifully said. Thank you. Oh,
1: (laughs) you're welcome. Thank you. (laughs) Um,
0: I can tell this is your passion.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I know. I could talk about this all day. (laughs) I love it.
0: Good. Well, I have lots of um, more questions about it, so it's perfect. Um, I guess something I would love to know and hear about is can we talk about the acne hormone connection for young adult women and any advice you can offer there with getting back in balance?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, I think a lot for a lot of women, acne seems to come about when they are on the pill, or there's obviously some sort of underlying hormonal imbalance happening. Uh, and then, and the one big hormonal imbalance is uh, high testosterone, or typically that's that's what the underlying cause of acne is, at least for adult women, uh, and and that can come about. That, that usually is a sign of something like polycystic ovarian syndrome, not necessarily always, but that, that is one of the symptoms of it. And <clears throat> polycystic ovarian syndrome is it's pretty pervasive in our society now. And the reason for that is because it stems from an underlying insulin resistance problem. Uh, so if we, you know, if we're eating food that It doesn't, or we're not balancing our blood sugar, and we're eating foods that are like cake and muffins and all these other things that constantly spike and crash our blood sugar. What then happens is our insulin is also going to do that. So it's on this roller coaster. And when we have high levels of insulin in our bodies on a consistent basis, it actually it's actually toxic to our ovaries. It actually changes the way our ovaries function. So instead of producing more estrogen, our ovaries produce more testosterone. And women don't need to have a lot of testosterone, obviously. And so when we do, we manifest these symptoms. A lot of them are things like acne, facial hair, oily skin, uh, ovulation that does not happen every month, so it's sporadic ovulation or no ovulation at all. Uh, Sometimes women, uh, their periods are, are also sporadic or they disappear completely. And so that's again why you know you might see acne, or at least that's that's one of the biggest reasons. And in addition to that, I would say too that your liver health is, is really incredibly important when it comes to addressing any kind of acne issue. If we if our you know our livers are like our detoxing machines, if they are not, if they're not functioning optimally. You know, all of those toxins are kind of just going to overflow out of your liver and be circulating within your body. And they usually manifest as, as skin problems. So I would say those two are the really big ones yeah. in terms of, yeah, causes of acne.
0: So, taking those, everything we've talked about kind of so far with um, hormones and connection with both acne and, and unhealthy um, periods. What would you say are three, like, takeaway or action items that people could take to get started with balancing their hormones?
1: Oh, absolutely. I would say, I mean, one of the first things is, I mean, it always, at the end of the day, comes back to food. At least it does for me. And so one of the biggest things is to address any kind of blood sugar issue. And when I say that, what I mean is, you want to make sure that when you're eating a meal, you're eating a balance of carbohydrates, and these are complex carbohydrates. So they're not there's not it's no there's no white rice and white potatoes there. It's all uh, you know brown rice and quinoa or sweet potatoes, something along those lines. And uh, you want to have that coupled with fat and protein. I just I found continually that women who have hormonal imbalances usually they have blood sugar issues as well. And when they start to eat to balance their blood sugar, they they start to heal their hormonal issue, and they start to feel tremendously better. So you want to balance uh, protein, carbohydrates, and fat in each meal, and you also I uh, want to avoid sugar i know that's difficult for a lot of people but avoiding it especially if again you you have something like polycystic ovarian syndrome it's so necessary a lot of women find that the paleo like a paleo like diet is really really helpful for something like pcos so that's something to look into as well so the first thing would be to balance your blood sugar uh the next and the i would say the next thing you know it's food related as well is to really focus on getting as many mineral-rich foods as possible. Uh, minerals such as magnesium, it's one of the most efficient minerals in, in American society, and I would say for the most part in all modern societies. And, uh, and, but yet, magnesium plays a really big role in hormonal balance, uh, especially with something like insulin issues and polycystic ovarian syndrome and a what number are, of other... What oh, are some foods
0: with, with magnesium? I know cacao, right?
1: Yeah, cacao, definitely. That's a huge one. That's that's I think it's like the highest has the highest content. Uh and then just the leafy greens. They're I I never st- I can't stress those enough because we just don't get enough of them. Uh so all the leafy greens, um kale, spinach, Swiss chard, uh mustard greens, all of those leafies that you can find pretty much have high levels of magnesium in them, as okay. well as yeah, and a couple of the grains as well. So quinoa, I think brown rice as well. They have they have good amounts of magnesium, and then sea vegetables too. That's another one: seaweed.
0: I love me some seaweed. Dulse is <laughs> my favorite food on the planet. Literally, everybody thinks it's so strange, but I adore it.
1: Would you, <laughs> I know, me too. Would
0: you offer? Um, would you suggest people supplementing with magnesium, or is it something that you can pretty typically get from your diet?
1: I actually do, especially, and this is for women as well, who experience uh, a lot of pain. Magnesium is known as the smooth muscle mineral. So what it does is it helps relax muscles, and including your uterine muscles. So a lot of women who have physical pain during their periods, like cramps and that kind of thing, uh, magnesium helps tremendously. So I'm a huge, I love uh, the natural calm magnesium, it just comes in a plastic bottle, basically white powder. Uh, pretty straightforward. And you take a teaspoon of that in a couple of ounces of water a couple of times a day. And I have, you know, I have really great results with that.
0: Nice. I like that one too. We'll put the mm. link of that below. Perfect. It gets all fizzy and it's like a nice bedtime drink. Exactly. Um, well, one question for me that came up with, with your um, advice, and I, I think you may have more, but I'm going to just jump in here and ask about this. So With blood sugar and finding balance um, in the meals, I thought that that was really interesting and definitely will be really helpful for people, but what would you say or do you ever run into um, this question with clients when people are concerned about food combining and maybe have weak digestion where they don't typically combine all of those things in one meal? Is it more important to to do that or um, how do you really kind of find the balance there?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I, you know, I have found just in my own experience and working with clients that it, the first thing you want to be doing really and truly is healing your gut. If you do have any gut issues, I I find that time and again, and it was the same for me as well. If you have serious stomach problems, your food is not being digested properly. You're not absorbing the nutrients that you're you're consuming. And it's just all kind of going to waste. So there's no point eating good food if if it is. And so that's where I think most people should start, especially if they, they have any kind of gut issues. And uh, and then, well, what was your question again? Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I just went off on the gut tangent. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think you oh, just kind combining. of answered it.
0: I was just asking, is it more important to... Eat that balanced meal with all of those things combined to have the blood sugar or to properly combine to heal the gut if weak digestion digestion is something that people are working with?
1: Yeah, I you know, I I used to wonder about that as well. And like I was saying, in just my experience, I think that the combining of all of them really helps. I mean, again, it's different for different people and that's why a big part of what I do and what I teach is that you have to listen to your body and what it's telling you and pay attention to signs. Otherwise, you're never really going to know what's working and what isn't working. So we could be doing all these things and and have Potential allergies to things and whatever else, and so until we start paying attention to the physical and emotional symptoms that we have or we experience after we eat, we're we're not going to know what works. And so for some women, uh, you know, they do great on a vegetarian diet where you know they're eating mostly complex carbohydrates and and fat. And, and little protein. But for many other women, and this is what I found, and many of my colleagues have found this too, that they, a lot of women just need that animal protein and the complex carbohydrates and then fat combined to, to feel really good after each meal.
0: Nice, nice. This is super helpful for so many people giving, giving this really broad perspective of this.
1: Yeah. I just, I think again, you know, you have to come into it with a really open mind and, and be ready to, to sort of dig deep and, and learn about what's going on inside of you. Definitely. Yeah.
0: Like you said, it all goes back to, um, listening to the body, looking under the hood, you know, really, really getting in touch with your body because it's just like what you said at the beginning. It's about, you know, a doctor can't cure you. A book can't cure you. Really, the only thing that can help is when you take it into your own hands and make the decision to do things for yourself.
1: Absolutely, and that's the other thing too. We just, uh, you know, we we've been programmed from the time we we're young to go to the doctor and the doctor is going to fix us and make us better. And I think that we just, we still sort of think that way. And it, it comes to the point where, you know, you go to the doctor and so many women go to the doctor now and they're not getting the answers they want. So they're becoming their own doctors, which isn't necessarily a good thing. Uh, but, you know, we've, we've taken to Google and right. unfortunately, they're just, there are a lot, there are a lot of conflicting opinions and ideas online. And, and so it's hard to get the right information, but if you're not getting it from your doctor you've got to just do what you got to do and and I think that you know we've just thought for so long that uh the doctors can help us and fix us and we sort of take our bodies there like we take our cars to the mechanic hoping right. hoping for, right. for something and we're just and, uh, all so yeah. different Yes, exactly. Everybody's so different. This one size fits all make medicine just does not work anymore.
0: Yeah, it it's really an old model. It it really never should have been a model and it's just kind of crazy that um that people just hand over their power in that way, but um Yes. It's I agree. It's cool um Dr. Lissa Rankin and I'm sure you're familiar oh, with I love her. her. Yeah, she's amazing, yes. but I I was just listening to a podcast with her, actually, and I, I believe she talks about this study in her book. But I think that's like where you come in and where these amazing coaches in the world, but especially you with your work specifically on women's health, is so important because while it is something that what what we're saying here is that women really need to take their health into their own hands and heal themselves and really listen to their bodies, and that's all true, and the only one that can really cure them is themselves, and I completely agree that that's true, but I think on some level, um, this really, the story that Lissa Rankin told really drove home the fact for me that there is a place for these great coaches and people to really have this amazing effect on people because like you said Google's dangerous and reading books I think is really dangerous because we all are so different and and she was saying it was this study that um I think it was on like knee surgeries or something and um these people all had there was like a placebo fake knee surgery and then there was like the real knee surgery and the people Mm. didn't know which one they were having and um All the people who had, long story short, all the people who had the fake surgery and the real surgery all healed the same. And part of it was, yeah, the the thought that they were having the surgery, but also part of it was because they were still going there and they were still getting the care from the doctors and the nurses. And People need that human interaction, that hand-holding, and just to believe that the people, that the nurses and the doctors, they didn't know, the nurses didn't know if they were giving the fake surgery or the real surgery. So they helped them just the same amount, and I think that that's really important. And and to just have someone give their 100% attention to you and your body and really be there thinking about you is just really important. So commending you for all the great work you do. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. I love it. I love what you just talked about. It's really important for for women to understand that to have like you said take back their power and and not uh you know be informed. I mean you're you can be become an informed decision maker when it comes to your body. You don't have to give it all away to your doctor or your OBGYN.
0: Totally. 100%. Mm. So for sure getting back into a specific question here about periods and women and, and all of this, Mm -hmm. um, what advice would you have for women who have lost their periods, um, completely after extreme exercise or dieting or weight loss and why it's important to get it back and, um, maybe some practical tips of how to get it to be back to normalized? And I think you've touched on that a little bit, but
1: yeah, I, that's it's a tough one. It's it's one of those things, especially for women who have been on the pill for a really long time, and they've and then they've come off and not gotten their period back. That's that's really and truly uh, the biggest cause behind not you know miss a missing period. But the other causes, yeah, are indeed the over exercising and then under eating or not eating the right uh, or not consuming the right nutrients. And uh, and so what I have found uh, is that it is it's a process, and it takes quite a bit of dedication to get get your period back. At least for a number of women I, I've worked with, and for women who have you know most likely been on the pill for a long period of time, or just been on a really restricted diet, or or exercising really hard for a long period of time. So what this, the proper name for this is functional hypothalamic amenorrhea, or FHA. And so it's essentially what I was saying before, uh, where you know the breakdown of communication between your hypothalamus and your pituitary gland that are in your brain and your ovaries. Uh, it's it's known as the hypothalamic ovarian, um, sorry, hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. So all of these things in your endocrine system they all work together. That's why you know when we're really stressed. Uh, we can skip ovulation or lose our periods completely. There's, you know, there's such a correlation between stress and our reproductive function, and of course many other things. But your thyroid, adrenals, and your ovaries all function sort of on the same axis. So when one thing goes wrong, it's like a domino effect. So that's the first thing I think women should know that it's uh, there. It's all connected. So it's not one of these things where you know you're. Like the doctor says, Oh, well, you have this and you need to take this for this. It's it's just not like that at all. I, I think that it's all very connected and you can you can definitely address it. Um and in terms of you know what what you can start to do, I would say for women who have been on a very restricted diet, that's you know, the first thing to start to do is to really work on and this is you know, if this is if this is a situation where a, a woman has some sort of eating disorder. Uh, I, I highly recommend getting some kind of professional help to address that in itself because that that's obviously that plays a big role uh, in determining how much, you know, what you're going to eat. Uh, so for women who have been on a restricted diet or who are you know, lacking in nutrients, you really want to focus on getting in a good amount of protein into your diet. Hormones require protein for manufacture, so we we just need to make sure we're getting a lot, and for my recommendations for clients, there is usually about close to 100 grams a day of protein, and that's, you know, again, that's different for everybody, but that's what I recommend, and then you try it and see if you like it, and if it works for you, and if not, then you reduce uh, so that, but again, that will help keep your sh- sugar balanced. Things like that, and then healthy fat. Hormones also need a lot of fat. They need they they are synthesized from cholesterol. Pregnenolone, it's our mother hormone, and it's you know it's responsible for pr- the production of progesterone. And, uh, and a number of other hormones as well, but it's synthesized from cholesterol. So again, getting healthy sources of uh, fat and cholesterol in our diets, uh, the wild-caught salmon, coconut oil or coconut butter, uh, avocado, chia seeds, all these different kinds of uh, good fat foods is, is really important. And, um, and then I would say, you know, and that's across the board really, because with the pill – Uh, When we, when we have hypothalamic amenorrhea due to the pill, uh, like I said, there's that communication cutoff, but also the pill affects the way our gut functions. It actually changes the way food is metabolized or sorry food is broken down and, and our gut metabolizes nutrients. Uh, we are very deficient in B the B complex vitamins and the B complex. I actually just wrote a blog post on this. <laughs> so we'll I'm kind of an the expert link now. Below, perfect. <laughs> yes, absolutely. The B complex is so so vitally important to women's reproductive and menstrual mm-hmm. health. And when we're on the pill, many of us just do not get the right amount of them because the pill changes that. Uh, in addition to that, the pill has a sort of antibiotic effect on our gut, so we end up uh, with candida issues at least many of us do that's why I had chronic yeast infections when I was on the pill, and many women do it's because uh, of this sort of antibiotic uh, in effect that it has and again, so that that affects the kind of nutrients we have we have in our bodies or we're that we're absorbing and The problem with that is that over ten years of being constantly or chronically malnourished because you've been on the pill, our body just can't make the hormones it needs to make. And then when we get off, we're completely depleted. So I'm a huge proponent of getting on a really good B-complex vitamin once you, you know, if you're on the pill, great. Once you get off the pill, for sure. And then it comes back too to what we were talking about about mending your gut, about healing your gut lining because the pill and and of course not eating well and all of those kinds of things can have such a tremendously bad impact on our guts. So of course that's you know, that's a big part of it as well. Um, and then over exercising, I mean, I think that we've been told for so long that over exercising is a good thing and or exercising a lot is a good thing and no pain, no gain, and all that other nonsense. But what I found uh, time and again with women is that when they start to slow down, their bodies are no longer in that fight or flight alarm stage and they're able to to really produce the right hormones. So the issue with over exercising is that we our bodies produce cortisol. Uh, in response to that because they it's stressful and they think that we're running from something. Uh, they don't know any better. <laughs> and so for our bodies, when we start to produce cortisol, our progesterone levels go down. And progesterone is needed for our periods, our proper functioning menstrual health. And the reason for that is because cortisol takes precedence over progesterone. And we're, our stress response takes precedence. We're always going to try and meet our stress response demands before anything else. Everything else shuts down when we're in that alarm stage, fight or flight, all of those, that kind of mode, our reproductive organs are the first to be shut down because nobody's trying to make a baby when they're running from a tiger, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so that, that would be the big thing for me, for anyone who is, you know, exercises a lot. It would be to reduce that, try meditation, yoga, tai chi, all of those different things to bring back that that calm You know, make your parasympathetic system, nervous system kick back in.
0: That's amazing. You really gave so many different, varied things there and really practical tips. Um, Those were super helpful. Thank you.
1: Oh, good. Oh, you're welcome.
0: So, talking again, and we mentioned that we've mentioned this a couple of times, but about conflicting views out there on the internet and Mm. just everywhere it it can really be tough for people but I'm just I'm curious about this and want to throw this out there but there's a lot of conflicting views um in this even in this like wellness world where people saying um it's healthy not to have a period and it means women are in balance or they when they're having this really clean diet and and when they no longer have their cycle each month. But can you talk about that and your feelings on that
1: world of thought? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I think it's, it I think, yeah, too. you know, I've got a very strong opinion about these things. <laughs> I was hoping so. <laughs> yeah. Frankly, I, I mean, honestly, I think that's insane to think or to even purport yes. this idea that, you know, not having a period is healthy. Right. I right. just, it, it infuriates me, actually.
0: Well, I couldn't agree more. Just for the record, I just. Oh, I'm to sure.
1: <laughs> I figured you probably did. I, uh, you know, I I have been I have trained with some really incredible people. I mean, Dr. Sarah Godfrey. She's at the forefront of women's hormonal health, and you know, she just wrote a book. She's writing another book, and she's one of these doctors who has, you know, she's worked in this field for 20 years, and only she she doesn't subscribe to any of this. <clears throat> well she loves the woo out there stuff but she's also a huge proponent of ha- having science to back this stuff up and and so i've learned from that that way of thinking and from her and i i feel really strongly that there is so much evidence to show that we absolutely should have a period every month, and why we should have it, that people saying that we shouldn't, or that it's okay, is it's just so wrong. And I mean, it's like propaganda, literally. And most of it comes from the, I'm gonna be like thrown in jail, <laughs> but most of it comes from the, the uh, pill companies, because really and truly, nobody has money to do research on the pill other than the pill companies themselves. And so essentially they're going to just be biased. And so again, like seasonal or one of those pills, they're going to say, yeah, it's totally fine to have a period three or four times a year. It's completely normal, but we were not made that way. So why in the last like 20 years has it become completely normal? And we've got millions of years of evolution to back that up. It just doesn't make any sense.
0: Right, right. That's, so true and I couldn't agree more and I'm really glad Mm. we went on the record talking about that because it is it's something that so many people still don't know about and I think it's really great to wake people up to that
1: yeah absolutely you know I want to add too that again this is a a really interesting cycle that's happening right now we have been effectively on the pill and you know these girls are getting younger and younger I mean I know 13 year old girls who are on the pill Which is insane because of, you know, because of period problems. 25% of American women are on the pill for other problems aside from birth control. So they're on it for something completely different than birth control. And again, that in itself is a massive problem because we are addressing pms PMDD depression with the birth control pill, and all it's doing is digging uh, digging us into a deeper ditch every single month uh, just because we are at we're operating at a hormone deficit so many of us are when we're on the pill we're not getting enough and so we end up with not only a disappearing period but we also end up with low sex drive I mean I have eighteen year olds who' have written me who say they have no sex drive. And I mean, that's insane. And it's because I'm just on the being on the pill for like three months, literally. Yeah. And so there's no sex drive. There's no desire. Uh, women can't lubricate anymore. All of these different things are happening. And then, of course, the ultimate is infertility. And women come off of the pill and they can't get pregnant. And within a month or two, their doctors are like, well, let's start you on hormones. And so who benefits? I mean, at the end of the day, it's completely economically driven. and And that's a huge problem for me. Mm,
0: so much good stuff there I just I know. like I want to like fist pump there was just so much <laughs> that is great that I agree with um totally so much good stuff there okay now for the fun part of the interview I want to get personal well it's all been fun but um <laughs> I want to get really personal with you specifically so mm. you ready for it
1: I'm so ready
0: okay cool well can you walk us through your morning routines and just specific things you do to start your day um, kind of on the on a wellness foot and kind of get things going and and why you do that and how it affects the rest of how your day goes?
1: Yeah, I mean I will start by saying that if i you know if I don't do certain things in the morning then I'm completely frazzled all day so I've learned the lesson that lesson the hard way I think from back in my production days. But I, you know, I've also realized that for me, the morning uh, has to start without an alarm. (laughs) When an alarm goes off, it's just very jarring. And uh, so I start the day without an alarm. So I wake up uh, when I think my body is ready for it. And that's a big thing for so many of us. We just, our internal clocks are so off now that... We uh, we just, you know, we're constantly in this place where our you know, we're dependent on something to get us out of bed or get it wake us up, all of these different things. So it's my first thing. I, I don't have an alarm. Uh, and then um I usually wait when I wake up I'll uh, I take my temperature because I practice fertility awareness. So that's another thing. I, I know a lot of people might not even be familiar with that, but I, I use a fertility awareness method. So I take my basal body temperature every morning. I'm such a dork. but um, That's my birth control. And so that's the second thing I do. And then usually I'll write in my journal. I, I find that when you can sort of empty your head of thoughts in the morning first thing especially stuff that has been bothering you things that have come up maybe things you dreamt about uh, it helps to you know it helps to have somewhere to put all of that rather than you carrying it through the day and and then causing even more kind of stress uh, so that's you know that's what I'll do right after that and then uh, you know and then I wake up uh, there isn't really anything too exciting I usually drink green juice because I really love starting my day that way. Or and or I'll have a glass like a warm glass of lemon water. Really like that too, and and then of course I have to say good morning to the boyfriend, <laughs> and the four kittens that we've got, Aww. and the two dogs. <laughs> so there's all it's like kind of crazy in the house in the morning. Uh, but, so fun!
0: Can I know I it's so fun.
1: <laughs> Sorry, what was that?
0: Can I sleep over? Well, oh, you is can together?
1: totally yeah. Please do come, come hang out. <laughs> And so that's really how it starts. And it's, you know, I really like to sit outside for a while too. And just like five or 10 minutes, I sit, I touch my feet on the grass. I find that, you know, I don't really get to do that in New York. I split my time. So while I'm here with where I am with my boyfriend, uh, you know, we have a backyard. It's kind of nice because New York, that obviously does not happen. (laughs) Backyards are few and far between. So I'll just sit and, you know, and just sort of do a little meditation and have, you know, sit on the grass. such a hippie oh my god I'm listening to myself (laughs) no it's it's amazing
0: I mean I'm I'm somebody in um that grounding is is super important to too I I learned recently um I had Latham Thomas on and she was telling me that for Mm -hmm. Tauruses um it's really like it's a grounding sign and we really need that and I was like oh my gosh that so makes sense so I'm wondering are you is that your sign
1: No, I'm a Virgo, but I feel like there are a lot of similarities.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But anyways, I adore that question. Like, I love asking people there. It's like the nosiest thing I can get and so personal. And I just, I love hearing people's answers. And I know they're so inspiring to me personally and then to everybody who listens. So I love that. And now I want to turn it around to the evening. Could you? give us some evening rituals and kind of what you do to wind down and relax and how you end your day on the right foot.
1: Oh, totally. I think that's one of the biggest things for women. I think we really, we don't do this well. Like we need to learn to self-soothe and especially when we have crazy jobs and crazy lives because, you know, I don't have kids, so I can't even imagine that realm of busy. I, I can't even fathom it. Uh, but I feel busy all the time. So I would say that that's one of the biggest things that we need to to sort of take back or take control of is this idea that we can take care of ourselves and calm ourselves down. And I've gotten some really good tips over the years and I use a lot of different ones. Uh, so for me, evening routine, uh, you know, dinner, obviously. And uh, then uh, I'm just laughing thinking about this because my boyfriend usually gives me a head start. <laughs> He's already like passed out by the time I'm done with what I'm doing. Uh, so I would say, you know, the bathroom, the whole bathroom situation, it's usually like taking off makeup and taking a shower. And, you know, I love to do dry brushing. I think that that's really great. And for people who might not know what dry brushing is, it's really just using a brush to and making, uh, you know, brushing your skin, literally. It helps you. Yeah helps with circulation and removal of toxins i'm sure you've probably talked about about it
0: recently so i'll post that Ah. link below too with my blog post on it
1: oh you should awesome yeah dry brushing is great yeah yes and then um and then i do you know i don't really do any kind of like sometimes i'll do a, a little meditation at night i'll write in my journal at night too just about the day and if there was anything that was stressing me again because uh, you know we we I think in the u s we have the more sleep problems than any other country, and a lot of it just relates back to our daily habits and our and our stressful jobs and all these other things and what's happening for us. And when we can sort of unload that before we go to sleep, I, I think it's tremendously helpful. So I do that sometimes, uh, and then, um, you know, what, do I, what else do I do? I'm trying to think now. Take your, take, your
0: <laughs> mag, think
1: take your magnesium. Oh, yes, my magnesium. There you go. My magnesium and my probiotic. I take a probiotic before dinner, too, before bed as well.
0: Nice. So that's nice. pretty much it. Yep. Well, we've talked a little bit or we've alluded to your relationship and just relationships in general, but going mm. back to women's health a little bit, could you talk about why relationships are so important for women's health?
1: Oh, yeah. That's a good one. You know, I would say, I mean, they're, they're, they can be good and not good. What I've found in, you know, in my own experience and in experience from friends and clients is that when we have an unhappy home environment or an unhappy relationship or an unsatisfying relationship, what we end up with is a manifestation of menstrual and period problems. and And so I find that when, you know, there's a lot of emotional stress, in our personal lives, it really shows up in that way. And you know, this is just sort of taking a page from Dr. Christiane Northrop and a number of other women's health practitioners in this idea that uh, when there are, you know, when there are issues, personal issues happening, uh, they can show up as you know irregular periods, infertility, cervical issues, all these different things. So it's really, really important to. Be in a relationship where you feel supported and you feel safe. And you know, when you're in, when you're with somebody, uh, this I think a lot of women can relate to this. But when you're you're not in a satisfied relationship, uh, I find that you know, again, like I said, it manifests as some sort of physical issue, or at least it tends to. And and there's a the stress aspect as well. And the reason it tends to manifest is because, you know, our bodies are just continually producing this cortisol. And we have up to 50 experiences a day where they're stressful experiences that we may not even be aware of, but our bodies are aware of it, and they're producing cortisol in response to it so that we can deal with them. And then, of course, our progesterone goes down and then our estrogen rises and then we end up with estrogen dominance. And so all and that just sort of manifests into all kinds of period and menstrual problems. So I think that it comes back to, uh, you know, knowing yourself. And that's why I love journaling and things like that, just to get your thoughts on paper. But knowing yourself and knowing what it is that really works for you and understanding what works for you. And if you don't, you're going to, you know, end up in a relationship where you're not happy, you're not getting what you want, you don't feel like you can do what you want, all of these different things. I think a lot of women feel trapped in their relationships, and, and that all of these things, I think, just add up to having, you know, ending up with this sort of underlying hormonal issue happening, and, and then, of course, a manifestation of symptoms.
0: Totally, and I think, um, and you just you just touched on this here, but this is something I learned from my mentor Gabrielle Bernstein, but she always says huh. that with relationships, you really—it's when two complete people come together, you know, not two half people coming together to make a whole. And yeah, I love that line. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that that's her. really, really important in in this and in and in, in its effect on on women's health and and you touched on that here, but
1: for I sure, think, I love that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. So, so key.
0: Yeah. And again, just journaling, like you've talked about it a million million times, and I couldn't agree more. Like for me, you know, meditation, yoga, like it's all well and good, but my journal, I literally was just talking about this to someone, saves my life. Like, (laughs) it's the thing that, you know, whether it's, you know, like the artist's way, morning pages, or, you know, I have to carry one with me all the time. Sometimes it's the, Notes on my iPhone, but just getting those thoughts out of your mind so you can it clears space for creativity, for health, for wellness, for for all these other things, and really kind of can help with the stress. At least for me, so that's definitely something I want to offer to people to as a takeaway for um, dealing with their stress. I think it can be huge for that.
1: Oh my gosh. I just couldn't agree more. I feel like all of those things, it's just this mental clutter. And if it's, if it's ongoing, I mean, we just, you can't really get anything done. You can't be focused on one thing fully if you're, you know, you constantly got this, this stuff buzzing around in your head.
0: Yes. 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 Look, you can't see me, but I'm nodding like crazy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so am I, I've been as well.
0: <laughs> We're still on the same page. Okay. So staying totally. with the personal. Let's talk food, which is such a personal topic. Mm -hmm. So for you personally, I'm going to give you a little food scenario. You ready for it? I'm so ready. Okay. So it's like (laughs) 8 p.m. You've had a really long day. You're starving, but you're super tired. Um, What do you do slash eat slash make? What is your go-to kind of meal?
1: I just love one pot meals. I just I think they're so, especially if I'm by myself and I'm cooking for, for myself or by myself or one person. I just think that, and even, yeah, even if I'm not, they're still my favorite. Uh, you know, just something along the lines of a bowl, like a rice bowl or a grain bowl with lots of veggies and maybe some kind of protein, maybe something like chicken or salmon. Uh, that's just, that's totally my favorite dish. And I feel like I could eat that stuff every day. <laughs>
0: Totally. So boring. And I know I, I love I love bowls, too. It's so funny. I was at this um, restaurant last night and I, I love their salad, but they usually put it on a plate. And I literally like cannot eat a salad on a plate. I like joke that I'm allergic to salads on plates. And I asked <laughs> them if they could put it in a big bowl for me because it is it's so nice and comforting whether whatever is in your bowl to just have this great bowl of nourishing things and kind of mix it around together. It's great.
1: Oh, it's so great. Maybe add some dolls Absolutely.
0: like we were talking about earlier. <laughs>
1: Completely, yeah. I throw all that in there too. I feel like I just sort of throw everything but the kitchen sink into these yeah. things. If, yeah, those and another com- combination is smoothies. I just, mm. I love smoothies. And I'm a big proponent of smoothies for to get in all of those nutrients and minerals that you need to to maintain your reproductive health. I think that those are a big one. What
0: are some so. go-to or um, definitely things people should try to include in their smoothies for um, reproductive health?
1: Uh, I would say, okay, so there are a couple of things. I mean, I first of all, I want to say that smoothies can get very sweet. So again, if you feel like you have any kind of blood sugar instability issues, always make sure that you're including protein powder, a good protein powder with uh, with your smoothie just because, again, and, or nut butter, almond butter, something along those lines, just to make sure that you're balancing the protein and the and the carbs, the sugar. Uh, but I, you know, I love like a basic smoothie. So it would usually have strawberries and blueberries in it. And then, um, you know, like kale, some kind of leafy green, a couple of cups of that. I think that everybody should have that, have the, have that in their smoothies. And then I do cacao powder. I do goji berries or goji berry powder, Those, again, cacao, as we talked about, has tons of magnesium in it. Uh, The goji berries are just really high in vitamin A and vitamin C. And yummy. Um, (laughs) Yes, and they're really good. Exactly. Uh, vitamin a is and is really great actually it it helps uh with a number of things in our reproductive organs so that's a good one and then i i really like uh camu camu berry powder so it's super high in vitamin c it's one of the highest vitamin c actually is the only vitamin that helps to uh boost progesterone levels so it's been proven to boost progesterone levels so i'm a big big fan of vitamin c uh and then I, you know, something along the lines of like some sort of bee product, so bee pollen, people, lots of women for fertility reasons like B propolis or uh bee pollen, something or honey even, just a little bit of honey, it's too sweet. Uh things like that, again, full of B vitamins, big time B vitamins. And and so I think that those are really like the main ones that that I throw in there.
0: Nice. Well that sounds delicious. I'm yeah, me hungry. <laughs> I don't <know> want <all laughs> one now. I know. I know. Um Okay, cool. Well, I guess I have one final question for you before I do some quick fire questions to wrap. But okay. I want to ask you what you are doing in your life that you're afraid of or excited about that you're pushing yourself and doing anyways.
1: <laughs> That's such a good question. Oh, I was just thinking about that today. I am about to launch an eight-week program, and I was literally just saying yesterday how stressed I am about it. <laughs> it's one of those things that I know I need to do, and I am very excited about it. It's one of my most comprehensive programs, and so for me, that's, that's my big thing right now. That's that sort of got me on both ends of the spectrum. very excited, but somewhat scared.
0: Amazing. Well, we will post all the links for that and everything, all of the cool things you're doing so people can stay in touch with you and follow your amazing work. I'm just so excited about this conversation. This has been amazing.
1: Thank you, Katie. I really appreciate it. I have loved talking to you. It's been so much fun. Yay.
0: Okay. Well, we're not quite done yet. Can you okay. stick around for some quick fire questions?
1: I sure can. Okay,
0: cool. So we'll just do, this is really fun. We'll do the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right, you ready? Yeah. Favorite color?
1: Pink. (laughs)
0: Favorite yoga pose?
1: Oh, believe what is it? What's my favorite? Uh, I would say crow. I just love to do it. (laughs) Nice.
0: Favorite day of the week? Saturday. Favorite hour of the
1: day? uh morning time like 9 a.m
0: favorite veggie
1: i love kale what can i say
0: favorite fruit uh mangoes favorite way to relax
1: laying on the beach Mm, that sounds good (laughs) i know right
0: (laughs) favorite new york city meal
1: Oh my goodness, are you kidding me? <laughs> There's too many. Uh, anything that's from an organic kind of vegetarian restaurant, usually. <laughs>
0: so good. There's so many great options.
1: Too many. I know. Oh my gosh.
0: Um, what does your ideal day look like?
1: Uh, I would say, you know, doing that same morning routine that I was talking about and uh, not doing too much work. Uh, and just spending it with, uh, you know, the people that I really care about. Nice. Mm. What
0: does um, – if you had a superpower, superhero power for a day, which one would it be?
1: Oh, man. I was just writing about this the other day on my Facebook page. Uh, I'd i love to fly.
0: Yeah, that would be really cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think so, too. Um,
0: what's your favorite go-to snack for on the go?
1: Uh, I – that's a good question. I don't know. There's so many. Uh, usually it's like either a piece of fruit and some kind of nuts, something like almonds or something like that. It's pretty basic.
0: Nice. What's your favorite mm. beauty ritual?
1: I love facial masks.
0: Mm. Nice. Favorite movie?
1: Oh, girl. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many. I know. Oh, my it's gosh. Tough. I know. You're killing me here. I'm so terrible with these things. I have so many favorite movies. There isn't really one in particular to be completely honest.
0: That's okay. There's, <laughs> there's so many good ones. Um, okay. Here's some or questions. So okay. almond milk or coconut milk?
1: I love, I, I like homemade almond milk.
0: Me too. So good. Mm. Um, smoothie or juice if you had to choose?
1: Oh man. I would take the smoothies. I really do love them.
0: So good, yeah. They're both so good.
1: They are. Avocado
0: or tahini?
1: Oh, avocados.
0: Yeah, hands down. That's an easy one. (laughs) (laughs) Lemon or lime? Lemon. Hemp seeds or chia seeds?
1: Chia seeds.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, these were so much fun. You were such a good sport. Had so many great takeaways for everybody. And just I really think we kind of opened the door to a really great discussion. And I hope the discussion can continue below in the comments. And um, we'll both be around to answer any of your comments and questions. So let us know what you think, if any of this resonated with you. And we will be back next week. Thank you so much, Nicole, for all of your great insights.
1: Thank you. I am so grateful that you contacted me. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Yay. Have a great day, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week. But until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like The Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on the wellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.